Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. God is doing in Milneton, so incredibly proud of this community and congregation is what God has called us to, to impact, to see cities changed. I had the privilege of ministering in Durban last week at a church in the middle of suburbia. And uh, I don't know if you've heard me preach. I like challenging suburbia. I like challenging safe, secluded. Hello, Mr. George. It's wonderful to see you. Sorry, Honorable Mayor, so we've got to take a moment out. And just... <laughs> but, uh, but I got to tell some of these stories. Don't take these stories for granted. I sat down with two church leaders leading great churches. Lots of people there on a Sunday. And, and one of them, almost with tears in his eyes, a big man, a strong man, said to me, we don't see those stories. We want to see those stories. And I, I just found myself able to just tell story after story. I'm saying, God, I don't want to take this for granted ever, what you do. How you transform, how you bring life where there is death. How you pull people out of darkness into life. I never want to take that for granted. Let us be a people who never take this for granted. But we are here, and it's Vision Sunday, and it's 2018. Why have a Vision Sunday? Well, to do this, to look back and say, hey God, you spoke to us words that put courage into us. We did crazy things like plant a church and God, what have you have done? It's amazing. And then we look forward and we say, well God, actually your purpose prevails and many other plans in a man's heart, but it's actually your purpose will prevail. So what is it that you are speaking to us? What are you calling? Not a new vision for church, not let's do something different this year. No, not that. But he's calling us, he's speaking directive words to us as a people because actually as a people, with, when we don't have vision, we lose our way. It's actually, Bible says, without vision, my people perish. He's speaking to us, he's calling us, and it's not just same old, same old. He says, I'm calling you to faith stories, I'm calling you to more. And we have a grid for how we measure what God is doing with us. And one of them is multiplication. We believe that God is a multiplying God and there is increase where he is. Wherever Jesus went, there was life, there was abundance, there people, it's like there's a few fish and a couple loaves, boom, 5,000 people fed. Where Jesus went, there was life and there was abundance and there was multiplication. But secondly, there was health that came, always. And we believe healthy things grow. Continue to work on the health of something, it'll grow. If I keep feeding my kids good food, they'll grow. They don't always like it. And one of them sat at the table for an hour and ten minutes last night, going, love this food, mommy as he put the food down. But healthy things grow. And we continue to invest. And God's speaking to us, and it's not about every year coming up with new stories, but he speaks words deep down as a leadership and into the leadership team. Two years ago, he spoke these words, pioneer again. Oh, but God, we're pioneering people. This church was built by pioneering people, by Wally and Shirley Gerstmeyer's pioneers. And he speaks to us, says a word, I want you to pioneer again. Okay? And then he sends two different ladies to bring prophetic words about a work in Milton, and they had no language for multi-site or multi-congregation or anything like this. He says, he speaks them, and they bring words, and go, okay, God, you're speaking, you're doing something. He says, no, you told us to pioneer again. Will you pioneer again? It's going to cost you. And some of you were my favorites to preach to, because you sat in row two, three, and four. And then we planted a church in Milton, and row two, three, and four were gone, and it was very quiet. <laughs> you're preaching your best faithful preach, and it's just... Then God, bring them back. We don't want to pioneer. We want to stay here with our clan. Just hanging out on the mountaintop with Jesus, just us. And it's costly. And in that same year, some of our very best 
those sent to Cape Town to plant this church and name it Life Changes and invest their everything in Wally and Shirley come and they say, hey, to the eldership team and to myself, say, we feel God's calling us to pioneer again. I know I'm 58. I know I've had a track record. I know I'm settled. I know my friends are here. And some of my best friends are here. But actually God's calling us. And when God speaks his word to us, he takes his people on journeys. The church is a pioneering force. The gospel is this thing that calls us into a bigger story all the time. Please understand, if, if, you, if you want to stay the same for the next 30 years, don't read the Bible. Don't allow God to do anything with your life. Don't respond to him and be careful when you worship him. I'm being serious. And he pulls us into these stories that are bigger than us, that are greater than us. And then last year he speaks a word, I want you to behold and be bold. I want you to be a people who will be completely captivated by me, not caught up in everything that comes past your attention. I want undivided attention. I want it from you now. But in that place of undivided attention and worship and grappling with all these things, what we find is actually everything becomes simple and I put boldness inside of your soul. So I'm going to get people saved in quick sticks. I'm going to send them to Estonia because Estonia needs people to raise up a generation of worshippers of Jesus. And I'm going to put other people in the stories and I pull them in. Actually, I'm not a respecter of time in church. I'm not a respecter of multiple meetings you've been to. I'm not a respecter of any of that stuff. I will see my gospel go to the ends of the earth Will you pioneer again? Will you do it as you behold me? And we found boldness in that space. I'm so amazed, and, and I want to thank this community for us fasting two weeks ago. I was away last weekend, so I haven't had a chance to say thanks. But there have been testimonies coming through already of God's life and breaking in. One of the ladies that we prayed for on the Wednesday night for jobs and career breakthrough, she has a great job. But she's trusting for God's direction to take her another story. I get an SMS on Sunday. Just to tell you, it's all happened. My career is set up for a totally new direction. God is incredibly kind. And then dudes like this guy who get baptized recently, then get filled with the Spirit of God, then the next day go and speak words of life to people because the Spirit of God's inside them going, put boldness inside of me again, God. I mean, I love that he's running, but I want to run as well. Why should I? Oh, you've been safe for so long now, Mark. You must just calm down and let others run. So take up the old man chair, you know, it's just the lazy boy of Christianity. No, no. The more I behold him, the more I'm taken up like John was in the book of Revelation. And I'm kept and I find myself falling down as though dead because he is glorious. And he pulls me into his glorious story. Amen. And then we're processing because this guy and Fiona and Tyler, they all like, Mark, we need something for next year because we want to get bangles made and we want to get signs made and we want to get designs done and I don't want to do it over Christmas and New Year's again, Mark. And you always leave, but I'm a spirit guy and I need to wait on God. No, Mark, we need time. So I'm going away. I'm going, flip, okay, I'm going away for a long weekend. So we take a long weekend in October and hearing God is not easy with my three kids. Just praying, Oof, soccer ball. It's okay, boy, it's okay. It's okay. So I go for a walk. I say to my wife, I need time out. And I'm walking in the Manus area and there are these beautiful mountains that are just still captivate me about the Western Cape. And I have this memory of a story I haven't thought of in years, literally years. It's of a crazy mate of mine who on his 40th birthday just happened to be driving, thank you, from um, Cape Joburg to Durban. And if you don't know Joburg to Durban, that route, it goes past a metropolis called Harry Smith. Who's been to the metropolis of Harry Smith? It's an amazing place. And they have a mountain. It's actually called the Plattberg, but they call it Table Mountain. Basically our cousins in Harry Smith. <laughs> and he sees this as he's driving down. And he's got two kids in the car, his wife, packed up. They've got to get home. They've been on holiday. He says, flip, man. 
I can run up that mountain. So he pulls his car over, drives to the mountain, puts his running clothes on, says to his wife, I'm having a bit of a midlife crisis, but I'm going to do it anyway. And he runs up the mountain, comes back, however long later, sweating like, ah, I ran up the mountain. But that story didn't leave me. And I'm going, God, what are you calling us to? What are you speaking to? And I feel the challenge of God saying, actually, will my church still run at mountains with me and for me? Not little molehills. See, in Durban, you get molehills and you squash the moles, they go away. And you get little hills and then some people would probably die running Bloberg Hill, but actually bigger than Bloberg Hill. Will you run at mountains? The thing that stop people from entering the inheritance, the thing that are limiting people in fear as they look at the mountains and they're crippled by anxiety and fear. Will you run at mountains with faith? And will you trust me in that journey? And will you do it with me and you will you do it for me? Oh God, I've laid hands on the sick before. It's someone else's turn. No, no, lay hands on the sick again. Oh God, I've, I've sacrificed before financially and time and energy with people. It's someone else's turn to go love those persons. It's someone else's going to go meet some guy named Claude who needs to meet. Oh, um, Gabe, can, can you go? Aiden, will you go and meet this guy? I, I'm just busy. No, no, no. Will you run at mountains? Again. Not someone else's story. Will you run at mountains again? And Jesus, as this picture is folded out, there's these scriptures that challenge me and get to my deep in my core. As Jesus is speaking, he says, I tell you, when the Son of Man returns, will he still find faith on the earth? I'm going, God, I love you. I sing your praise every week. Please find faith in me. But he says, faith is not a please find faith in me. Faith looks like something. It's got hands and feet and legs and it looks like something. It's captivating. It's tangible. It has effect and it brings effect. And it's all these amazing, amazing things. And we see mountains in the Bible do a number of things. And I'm not going to share all the scriptures because it got me in some time trouble. That's hard. But when you look at the Old Testament, mountains were these amazing places that God's people would go up and you got Moses and Elijah and they found themselves atop of the mountain transfiguration in the Old Testament. There's all these challenges and, and there's Mount Ararat. It's where they got Aramat from. It's the same. It's just a different pronunciation. It's where you get Aramat to grow on trees. Did you know that? No, it doesn't. And um, don't eat Aramat. And, um, but there is Zion. And in Matthew 6, we see Jesus goes, and obviously the greatest mountain that ever was, Jesus goes up a mountain and he carries his cross up and he dies on a mountain and he rises again so that we could keep climbing mountains and moving mountains. But he speaks to his disciples. Say, I'm a disciple. When you read about these dudes, these fishermen, these tax collectors, these scoundrels, think of yourself. I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I like to choose the hero and think, that might be me, you know. <laughs> That's, uh, I'm just saying, I'm not, not claiming anything, just saying I see myself more in that light, you know. Think of yourself in that light. Because I want to tell you, mountains were all these amazing things. There were places you'd go to encounter God, yes. There were places you'd go for resourcing. Haggai, we see, this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways, go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. So we go up to mountains to resource ourselves. You need energy for the year? Don't go to a day spa. Spend time with Jesus. Climb a mountain with Jesus. Allow him to change your perspective. I love seeing pictures of mountaintops that rise above clouds and you see a storm happening there and you see an open space and you think, my God's in control of all of it. Sometimes I just need a different perspective. They're a place of sacrifice. As Isaac is taken to be a sacrifice there. They're all these amazing things. And then there's the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew 17. 
You see, in the book of Matthew, if you go read it, look for the miracles. See, in Matthew 5 and 6, 7, there's the Sermon on the Mount. And then Jesus comes and he's walking with the disciples. He heals the leper, heals Mary. He calms the storm. He feeds the 5,000. He goes on these journeys. He makes a mute man talk. He does all these miracles and he's showing his disciples something. He's not just giving them stories. You know, it's like just doing this so that they got stories so my legacy can go on. Jesus' legacy are not on the words on a page. Jesus' legacy are not four gospels in a Bible, the most printed book in the world. Jesus' legacy is where people take him at his word and they do what he did because he said we'll do greater things. Yeah. Oh, Mark, that's, that's like super, super excitable Christianity. You know, like those guys who shout hallelujah. Those guys at church. Those guys. They get excited by the gospel. Now, I don't want to get excited by the gospel. I just want to, I want to do it on Sunday. I want to feel really lacquer. I want to feel like I've ticked and I've got my eternal salvation in my back pocket. So when I pitch up at the doors of heaven, I want to have that. And God's saying, no, I won't. I love you too much. And I love my gospel too much. And there's too much goodness to just leave you there. Yeah. I'm calling you into something and it's bigger. Yeah. And they go to this mountain of transfiguration and, and they're like, hey, Jesus, let's just hang out here. Too often the church, we like that. We like, if we can just stay here. It says, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's, it's really good for us to be here. See, before some of you left, the, the comforts that there are, no setup in the set that the way we do in Milton and the aircon and, and some of that stuff, some of you are like, oh, that sounds pretty good right now. Um, but you left all of that and you fought this temptation. Actually, it's good for us to be here. Why? Because God spoke a word. Will you pioneer again? And Jesus takes them to a mountaintop. But then they encounter a situation in Matthew 17, verse 14. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and suffers greatly. He often falls into a fire, into water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. It's a bit of a chaotic situation. Boys falling into fire. It's falling into water. It's a desperate dad crying out, saying, listen, you said go to your disciples. I went to the disciples. They didn't pull it off, so I'm coming to you. It's a pretty matter-of-fact reality. And then Jesus says this, meek and mild Jesus, and a baby Jesus for Christmas time. He says this. He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Was this, I mean, that's big words, eh? I'm not keen to hear that from Jesus. Not my Jesus. But Jesus speaks to them and he challenges them. Why? Because there's this indignation that rises up because he knows there's so much more for them because his desire for them is not to stay small, to not see effect and to not see change and to keep doing what they do but not see the change. No, actually, he's calling them to more. He's pulling them up to a bigger series. He's saying, actually, he pulls them into this. He's anguishing. And I think these are careful words chosen. And yes, it is a rebuke to his disciples. They had seen amazing things. They had been anointed to be sent out to see amazing things. He says, hey, guys, I need you to believe what I'm saying. We can't just have good stories. We can't just see good stories. I want you to see the power. Christianity, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. There is power to this Christianity. There is life. There is, on the other side of faith, there are adventures you never thought possible. I want to live the adventures of heaven now. I think we have access. 
I think Jesus is reminding him, hey guys, it's all been paid for. Go through. He's giving us the ticket. He's challenging him, guys, with some frustration, but he's also calling us saying there's so much more. And then this amazing scripture, then the disciples came to Jesus in private. So this time they didn't go in public, in private. And asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith, as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing, nothing will be impossible for you. Oh, Mark, that's, that's like cultish language. We're getting into all sorts of challenges here. No, it's the promise of Jesus. It's the promise that he calls us, and he says, actually, if you've got faith as small as a mustard seed, why that? I don't even like mustard. It's not a good example for me. But it's small. And I look at a mustard seed, I think, that thing ain't doing much. Yet God says, actually, if you could, if you could believe me that much, if you could move out of your comfort zones and the smallness of the world that wants to keep you small and step into a space where you have faith that's as small as a mustard seed, you'll speak to a mountain and tell that mountain, you'll be moved from here to there. You're not going to make a plan to move a mountain. In Durban, there was a story about this massive house that got moved on ball bearings and spray and cook. True story. They needed to move the house, so they used spray and cook on ball bearings and they moved the house. I mean, that's, we can make plans to move houses. To move a mountain, not so much. Jesus says, I've called you to be mountain movers in my name because I'm the mountain moving God. He doesn't waver in his answer. He says, they say, how do we do it? He says, well, actually, here's how you do it. He doesn't rebuke them to ridicule them. He speaks to them to call them to more. And we feel as we process this year, God is calling us to more at this time. He wasn't trying to break them down. Actually, quite the opposite. He's calling them to a faith journey. See, I grew up in a home of faith. I have memories as a five-year-old of my parents bringing a pastor man named Emmanuel who was a non-white man who couldn't stay in our area overnight because of government legislation and he would sleep in our house every Tuesday night. I remember the cops coming. I remember my dad making plans to hide and to keep and because on Wednesday morning my mom would go with Emmanuel and preach in McCord Hospital in Durban. Every Wednesday morning, the gospel. And I would go with because I didn't go to preschool, so I'd go with. And watch my mom preach the gospel of faith. I remember growing up at a house. I remember my dad getting sick for seven years, having yuppie flu while he ran a business. And I watched him overcome by faith. God will provide. Not make a plan, hustle, sell. No, God will provide. He brought us here. He'll provide. I grew up in a household of faith. Then they lost everything. Doesn't mean faith diminishes. Faith rises up. And I sat with my mom and my mom, I fought with my mom when the sheriff came and took everything. I was like, how are you not bummed? I am bummed. I feel like righteously allowed to be bummed. I'm obviously, but God's in control. He's got our eternal destination. He's got our story now. And she has never wavered, and they have never wavered from those positions. See, I can tell those stories. Will my children tell those stories? Not my dad did good church and pulled off a few good preachers. He was okay. No, when there was a water crisis in the city of Cape Town, my dad did everything he could to save water. But you know what he did? He got on his knees and pleaded for salvations in the city because when he looked at the word, every time there was a drought in the word of God from the beginning of time till today, men and women ran to salvation, not to water. And I remember my dad getting on his knees and praying. And I remember my dad crying when Andrew Hughes died. But then I remember my dad walking back into hospital rooms and praying for the sick again because my God says he is Jehovah Rapha, the healer. 
And then when economic times came, and everyone was buttoning down the hashes, and people were stopped giving to the poor, and they stopped being generous with their time, they were stopped being generous with each other, they were stopped giving to the church. Now my dad said, we're going to hold on to the promises of God, as God is Jehovah Rapha, He will provide. Well, my kids tell those stories. I am deeply, deeply challenged by that question. I don't want to live a tame, patted down Christianity. I met a man named John Smith, who Gabe knows better than I. He's 87 years old. He served in the church as a leader for like literally decades. He's 87 years old. His wife has dementia. I didn't even recognize her. Oh, I haven't seen her for a year. She has changed so much. And yet he's still leading in the church. They still had all the meetings together, praising the King of Kings passionately. Every worship session, I turn around. There's John, worshiping God with Yvonne, his wife. And so last week, he, he goes and, and, and they find out, no, John's gone to see one of the guys from the church who works at Virgin Active. Oh, why is that? Now, John's gone to sign up a gym contract at 87 years old, because right now with his wife's health state, they can't walk together anymore, but he knows he's got to look after his body because God's got more for him to do. And I'm going, yeah. Sometimes I think 87 years old, maybe I'll just sit down on my comfy couch. Just sit there for a long time and enjoy it. And yet God's saying, no, no, no. Age? Not in my kingdom. Failures? No, no, no. I'm Jesus. I move mountains. Addiction? No, I move mountains. Brokenness? No, I move mountains. Oh, I've never been able to break through financially. I've lived month to month for the last two decades. And I'm the God who moved mountains. Will you trust me? This is not a rah-rah for church. This is who Jesus is. He says, I want you to be a part of that. And actually, I think he rebukes us when we don't buy into it. Because he loved those disciples. He loved them like he loves you and he loves me. He says, will you put faith stories in the next generation to tell? We are meant to be mountain movers. Faith, I love Spurgeon. He puts it this way. He says, faith gives feet to the soul. Faith gives feet to the soul. I want to give us a few things as we land this morning. We're going to speak more about this theme of move the mountains. Who's got one of these things on your arm or in your hand? Say move the mountains. It's got to be more than just a nice idea for Vision Sunday. They did well. That creative team, they did well. Please don't go away with that sentiment. Put it on your coffee mug. Put it on the thing you look at when you brush your teeth in the morning. Yeah, don't put it there. Um, and, uh, but put it places that God's saying, actually, I've called you to move mountains. Move mountains. No, no. But I, I make a plan. I run around mountains. No, I want you to move mountains. Because I'm the mountain moving God. And he's speaking some things to us as a people of faith. And C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says, there are far, far better things ahead than anything we leave behind. Let's leave some things behind. As we run into what God's got for us. A couple of things that we are pursuing. And these are just in the light of moving the mountains and in the light of 2018. The first one is this. Pursue him with faith. Which means, hey Mark, I've never laid hands on the sick. You don't need to take my word for it. Read the Bible. God says do it. Believe it. I can't promise you results. He is the mountain mover. But our job is to keep doing it. I've never seen breakthrough in my finances. No, God, take a hold of him. What is your mountain today? What are the mountains in your life as the provider in your home? Have you got kids that aren't well? We've got some mountains in our story. I'm going, God... 
That's not a mountain. That's my kid. You can just bring healing and your story. In your life, I look and I see a mountain, but when you look, you just see flat land. So we're going to pursue him. We're going to trust him for deliverance, freedom, power, the unexplainable testimonies. We want the highest of society to the, to those in the gutter. We want, we want every color crowd. I love, I stood at the front of the, uh, the community this morning to see color. I see life. I see different demographics. And I go, God, that's a sign and wonder to this world. Please do it more in us. Take out prejudice. Take out smallness. Take out comfort zones so that your church can shine. The second thing we're going to do, which right now obviously is focused primarily at Milton, but we want at table view. We're going to make some space and room. We've been talking about it for a while. It's taken quite a while to get there. But actually as a facility, it needs to serve our community. And not just our community, but our area more. One of the things, maybe we could pop up the picture of, of the coffee shop. Is we want to, onto the front of the building, slap a coffee shop. Just slap it. You can just... No, you just slap. Why? Because there's a whole bunch of people who commute for work and work from home and they need places to work and we think we make great coffee and we could love the socks of them. So actually it can serve them. This is not about more comfortable church. This is about reaching people, serving our community, loving them. And these are just, I couldn't get, maybe the one before, we're going to, there's a whole bunch of things. We're going to open plan all the offices and we've taken a while to get there because there were other options, but we're excited. Second, a couple of other things we're going to keep reaching. And this is, I know it's different, but we planted Milnerton with kids and everything. We've realized our evening congregation that is, is a, an amazing congregation. We're seeing more and more kids come, but we can't serve them because we haven't had kids, live kids. So we've seen people come and then leave. Single moms come with their kids. Church is hectic. It's tiring. So what we're going to do is we're providing a full kids service. Not service. What do you call it? Live kids. Yeah. For the kids in the evening congregation. There's already a team in place. If you want to be a part of that, you're part of Milton, you're saying, actually, I've got a bit of capacity to help sign up, get involved, pay a price. Watch what God will do. He might take you to Estonia. And, um, <laughs> but that's really exciting. And, and also, understand this, always make room for the miraculous in your life. And in our stories, would we keep being a people who'd make room for the miraculous? We want to keep reaching, and that's why that Sunday story, but there are others, serving parents and all that. We want to reach out and continue to make sure that God is extending our influence. And one of the ways we do that is part of the Site 5 crew. Who's been part of Site 5 or been through to Danoon Site 5 with the team? Don't go like the Zen. What's that? It's not, you're not going to move a mountain. What's, what's this? Is that a dance move? No, put up your tape. You've been part of the Site I mean, this is an incredible crew of people. Ask them what God does when, when he reaches out into broken communities and actually wants to bring restoration and understand that actually we think we're going there to help people. They end up helping us. And then God's also calling us to partner. And there's this foundation called Domino Foundation, which is a part of the church that Gabe came from. And they are feeding 6,000 kids a day. They are building creches and releasing them to the community. They are seeing a whole bunch of impact. We're also going to be partnering with them more and more as we realize there is finances and in the world and in the business world available to people who are doing good stuff. And so Recycle Swap Shop, this is Rion. If you haven't met him, him and his wife started Recycle Swap Shop years ago. Recycle Swap Shop has been moved under the Domino Foundation. It's now called Domino Recycle Swap Shop, impacting all those numbers that you saw Gabe tell you earlier. We're saying we actually want to partner with that. We don't feel like we need a life changer story. We want a kingdom story. Two more things. Number one, we actually think God's given us something in worship. And actually we've got some good worship singers, writers, songwriters, and maybe more. So we feel we want to release an album. 
So we want to write an album this year and, and hopefully produce it by the end of the year. And, um, and, and we think that's part of what God has given to this church over many years, from the worship leaders of Stash and K and all who've gone before to where we are now and actually saying we want to actually release an album to serve the nations. Maybe Estonia. God, everyone's going to go search. Where's Estonia? So isn't that exciting? And, and I would encourage you, don't let that be someone, that's cool for the worship guys. Maybe you in the word and God gives you a song. You don't know how it sounds, but you can write the words down. Do it. Can't promise anything, but do it. Allow God to take on a story. The last one, which is probably the most exciting, the most daunting, and the most challenging, is when we planted Milneton, to be honest, I was a little bit on the back foot. For a number of reasons. And yet the story has been so profoundly amazing and some of your stories have been so profoundly amazing and the way God has shown us to do relationships and lead together and build together has been amazing that actually we think God's called us to do it again. We don't know exactly where. We don't know exactly when. We think it's in the next 18 months. But we want to start preparing for that. We want to start raising leaders. I want you to, ask, to start praying for it. I want you to ask saving for it. We're going to give opportunities to pioneer finances, time. Maybe you're saying, actually, I feel the stirrings. I don't know where it is, but, but maybe that's part of my story. Allow those stirrings to come. Allow to be a part of a pioneering people. Saying, God, actually, but what you, can, you might take some of my nice friends from Wilmington. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly what happens. <laughs> But actually, it's not about the life changes name. It's about the fact that if we hadn't planted in Milton, maybe some of those stories that we know and see wouldn't have happened. And God says, I'll keep honoring faith, and I'll keep moving mountain when my church will reach out in faith. So what do you do with all this? Move the mountains. Well, don't let it be just your church's story. Will you let it be your story? I know today has been a bit longer. But will you let it be your story? What's your mountain right now? What's the mountain in your story? Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's an addiction no one knows about. Maybe it's just captured under a financial ceiling forever, a work ceiling, a boss that's in the way, uh, and that's the way you see it. What's your mountain right now? We've all got mountains. Maybe your kid's in trouble, and maybe they're three, they're 13, or they're 30. Maybe they're in trouble. Maybe that's a mountain. I want to tell you about the God who moves mountains. He climbed the mountain with a cross on his back and he died on that mountain. And he rose again so that we could keep climbing mountains and moving mountains. When we put our trust in him, we take a hold of him. Move the mountains is not a clever line. Move the mountains is not some cheap, flippant little thing so we could make up some armbands. Move the mountains is what you and I are called to do in the name of Jesus so that he can get all the glory. Maybe your mountain's apathy. Allow him to move it. Take a hold of him and see his glory come. Do you want to pray, Gabs? Can I pray for us? Can we stand together? That feels like I've just shot off a Gatling gun. Everyone okay? Can we say, move the mountains? You're going to remember this. Jesus, we come this morning. We see you. We behold you, we're captivated by you, we're amazed by your goodness, your grace to us, your favor. Thank you that your church is a sign and wonder to this world where we get over our preferences, we get over our smallness, and we come sit amazed that, that Nick would come back to the school he did school in to get baptized in a pool by one of his teachers. God, you knew it all along. 
But I pray this would not just be the rah-rah of a preacher man. I pray the challenge of your will, your word, where you told us, Jesus, that with a little bit of faith, we could move mountains. Lord, I know that we struggle to see it, and yet you give us the privilege of seeing you. I thank you, Spirit of God, that you are here, not by power, not by might, but by my Spirit. Spirit of God, you are here. Speak of a mat, Lord, and what you're doing in his life. And I say, do more, God. Courage and boldness rise up to speak your gospel, to not be watered down, to not be cut across. Right now, God, raise up giants in our midst, I pray. Giants for your kingdom. And I pray, God, give us eyes to see what you are doing. Pray even now as water crisis hits our city, God. Give us eyes of opportunity for your gospel. Yes, let us do what we need to do and put all those things in place. But I pray, God, allow us to study scriptures of hope that you are the Prince of Peace and let us share your truth at this time for your glory, King.